You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, the Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning and welcome to the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with the Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include former President Trump pleaded not guilty at his arraignment, a capsized boat in Greece had 100 children in the hold, and I-95 is under construction after it collapsed. Here's your national news recap for the week of June 11th. Former President Trump has pleaded not guilty to 37 federal counts, including obstruction, related to his handling of classified documents. He appeared at an arraignment hearing at a federal courthouse in Miami on Tuesday. Trump became the first former president to be indicted on federal charges last week. Former President Trump addressed a raucous crowd of supporters after his historic arraignment in Florida. Trump spoke at his golf club in Bedminster, New Jersey, after pleading not guilty. Trump has repeatedly called the charges a witch hunt carried out by President Biden and the Justice Department. President Biden is dismissing a reporter's question about allegations of corruption being pushed by House Republicans. A New York Post reporter asked Biden at the end of an event on junk fees why an FBI informant file refers to him as the big guy. The reporter was referencing an FBI document that has been pushed by House Republicans to allege the Biden family was part of an influence peddling scheme related to a Ukrainian oligarch. Biden snapped at the reporter, asking, why'd you ask such a dumb question? House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries says the federal indictment of Donald Trump over his handling of classified documents speaks for itself. The facts as we understand it speak for itself, and the trial will speak for itself. The New York Democrat Thursday told reporters he has confidence in the jurors and ultimately the American people will arrive at an outcome that's just. His comment comes as House Republicans have rallied around the former president following last week's indictment, accusing the Biden administration of weaponizing the Justice Department to go after President Biden's political rival. Artificial intelligence has become so believable that there are growing worries about how it can be used for evil, such as scams. There have been calls for Congress to step in, but Senator Ted Cruz says we need to pump the brakes on that. Will there need to be regulations over time concerning AI? Almost certainly. But to be honest, Congress doesn't know what the hell it's doing in this area. The Texas Republican joked to Politico that the median age in the Senate is about 142 years old, meaning they're not a tech-savvy group. He worries that overregulation could hamper U.S. innovation. U.S. lawmakers are introducing a new bill to protect TikTok user information. Six senators and two House members say Chinese-owned TikTok poses serious security risks to the data of Americans. Senators say the bill would stop the app from sending personal information to China. TikTok is denying the claims of improper data mining. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is bringing his campaign to California on Monday. The Republican presidential candidate will attend several fundraising events, including a breakfast in Sacramento, where a seat at the table is said to cost $3,300. California is seen as a hostile territory for DeSantis. He and Governor Gavin Newsom are in the middle of a public feud over hot-button topics like abortion and immigration. 
California's attorney general is considering criminal charges against DeSantis for his role in flying three dozen South American migrants to Sacramento. Governor DeSantis has a message for California's governor. What I would tell him is, you know what? Stop pussyfooting around. Are, are you going to throw your hat in the ring and challenge Joe? Or are you just going to sit on the sidelines and chirp? DeSantis was asked to comment about some of the recent comments from Gavin Newsom aimed at Florida's governor. They include referring to DeSantis as a small, pathetic man after two flights of migrants were sent to Sacramento. His visit also comes at the same time President Biden will be in Northern California on a three-day visit to locations the White House has yet to disclose. Texas Governor Greg Abbott is signing a bill that he says will save women's sports. It bans transgender athletes from competing on women's sports teams at the collegiate level. Women's sports, women's records, women's teams, women's dressing rooms are jeopardized when men are allowed to compete for those teams. Backers of the bill say it doesn't stop transgender athletes from competing. They just need to be on teams that conform to their birth gender. But gay rights groups claim the new law is hurtful and will likely lead to athletes' gender being questioned just because of the way they look. A former Florida school resource officer's trial continues with more witness testimony. Scott Peterson stands to face the rest of his life locked up for failing to confront the killer during the Valentine's Day massacre at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Senior High. BSO SRO Coordinator Sergeant Sam Samaru on the stand. You see where it says contact team? Yes. What, can you please read that? It's first one seen. One to four deputies. They will be actively engaged securing or searching for the suspect. Hot zone. So back when this class was given 2016, it was also thought of that one deputy may actively engage or search for the shooter. Correct. Charges include child neglect and negligence. 14 students and three staff members died in the six-minute 2018 Parkland attack. The Biden administration is developing new guidelines to protect the dwindling Colorado River. The Department of the Interior kicked off the formal process to develop long-term sustainability strategies this week. The Colorado River Basin is currently facing a historic drought threatening water availability across the region. Recently, the seven Colorado River Basin states resolved a conflict over short-term water consumption cutbacks. The river provides water to about 40 million people in the western United States. Wildfire smoke is once again blanketing the U.S. upper Midwest. National Weather Service meteorologist Craig Kogel said the smoke will linger for a few more days. At least through the end of the work week here and maybe into the very first part of the weekend. The wildfires in Canada have resulted in record levels of air contamination in Minnesota's Twin Cities, with the air quality index reaching a level never seen since records have been kept. Forecasters say the smoke is heading east, with New York officials once again warning residents the smoke could hang around into Friday. But they do add it won't be as bad as last week. I'm Allie Bruce, and that was your national news. I'm Gavin Trutzenbach with your international news report. Our first international story comes from the BBC. Survivors from a fishing boat that sank off southern Greece in one of Europe's worst migrant disasters say up to 100 children may have been on board. At least 78 people have already been confirmed dead in the disaster, but many more could still be missing at sea, with reports suggesting that up to 750 people were aboard the vessel. Nine people, including several Egyptians, have been arrested on suspicion of people trafficking, Greek TV is reporting. The Coast Guard has been criticized for not intervening earlier, but authorities say their offers of aid were refused. Rescuers are still searching the area where the boat capsized almost 50 nautical miles off the southwest coast. 
as hopes of finding more survivors dwindle. The boat had been heading to Italy from the Libyan port of Tobruk when it went down. Images showed the decks packed with people, but accounts of a large number of women and children in the hold of the ship have come from medics who treated the mostly male survivors. The senior doctor at Kalamata General Hospital told the BBC as many as 100 children were on the vessel. Activist Nawal Sufi was the first to raise the alarm after being contacted by people on the boat on Tuesday morning. The Coast Guard said initial contact was made with the fishing boat at 14 o'clock local time, 11 o'clock GMT, on Tuesday, and no request for help had been made. The Coast Guard said that in the early hours of Wednesday, the boat's engine broke down, and that people on board started to move around, causing it to capsize. All of the 104 people rescued were male. Greece is observing three days of mourning. Campaigning has been suspended ahead of the parliamentary election on 25th of June, and a TV debate due to happen on Thursday has been canceled. Several marches in protest of the tragedy took place on Thursday evening in the capital Athens, the second city Thessaloniki, and elsewhere. Our second story comes from UPI News. The United States, Britain, Denmark, and the Netherlands have announced new aid for Ukraine. The British Ministry of Defense made a joint statement with its U.S., Danish, and Dutch allies on Thursday, stating that Denmark, the Netherlands, and the U.K. Defense Ministries and the United States Department of Defense today announced that they are partnering together to deliver high-priority air defense equipment to Ukraine. The initiative will deliver hundreds of short- and medium-range air defense missiles and associated systems required to protect Ukraine's critical national infrastructure and further ensure the success of counteroffensive operations in coming months, the ministry said, adding that delivery of the equipment has already begun and should be complete within several weeks. The defense secretary thanked the 50 nations that have provided Ukraine with training and equipment and singled out the Netherlands and Denmark for spearheading the effort to train Ukrainian pilots on fourth-generation aircraft, including the F-16. The U.S. Defense Department said in a statement Thursday that the support will need to continue for the long haul. On Tuesday, the British-led Joint Expeditionary Force, which is comprised of 10 European nations, announced a $116 million air defense package for Ukraine. Thank you to our allies from the Joint Expeditionary Force for a powerful assistance package, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky tweeted Tuesday. At a time when Russia agonizingly intensifies its daily missile terror, more power for our air defense is the key to protecting Ukraine's skies and the lives of Ukrainians, Zelensky continued. Our final international story comes from CBS News. Heavy rain and strong wind lashed the southwest coasts of India and Pakistan Thursday evening as Cyclone Biparjoy made landfall. India's meteorological department said the storm would continue to churn onto the country's western coast until midnight. The cyclone, which had grew to the strength of a Category 2 hurricane over the Arabian Sea on Wednesday, had weakened slightly by the time it came ashore Thursday, between Manvi in India's western Gujarat state and Karachi in southern Pakistan. The weather agency said it first made landfall at around 7 p.m. local time, 10 a.m. Eastern. By Parjoy, which means disaster in the Bangla language, was expected to pack strong winds with sustained speeds up to 78 miles per hour and gusts close to 90 miles per hour. Storm surges up to 13 feet were also predicted. No loss of life or damage was immediately reported by either country as the cyclone made landfall. The South Asian nations evacuated more than 170,000 people from coastal areas ahead of the storm's arrival, deployed rescue teams, and shut down all major activities in Biparjoy's predicted path. India's weather office said the cyclone was expected to damage roads and houses, uproot trees, and disrupt power and communication lines. India alone had evacuated more than 94,000 people from the eight coastal districts of Gujarat to safer locations. Pretty much all activities, including public transport, fishing, and businesses in those districts were shut down. I'm Gavin Trutzenbach, 
And that was your international news report. I'm Riley Adams with your local news. From CNN, crews in Philadelphia are on track to complete demolition work Thursday on the section of Interstate 95 that crumbled last weekend after a tanker truck hauling gasoline crashed and burst into flames, said Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro. Once the demolition is complete, teams will work around the clock to rebuild the overpass, though there has not been an official date of completion, but it is expected to take a few months. Teams will fill the gap created by the collapse and pave the roadway so six lanes of interstate traffic can remain open while work to rebuild the overpass continues. A tanker truck carrying 8,500 gallons of gasoline crashed underneath the highway Sunday and flames engulfed a section of the interstate. The driver, who has been identified as 53-year-old Nathan Moody, was killed in the crash. The northbound stretch of the interstate collapsed on top of the truck and southbound lanes were also damaged. Governor Shapiro did not say how much repairs will cost, but has declared a state of emergency and alluded $7 million in state funds for reconstruction. From 6ABC, a somber graduation in South Jersey honored the life of an 18-year-old who tragically died over the weekend. The family of Victor Rodriguez accepted the high school diploma on his behalf at this past Wednesday's graduation ceremony at Pittman High School. The graduating seniors from the high school also wore white ribbons to honor Rodriguez during the ceremony. The teen wrestler drowned in Lake Alicon on Sunday night, say officials. According to investigators, Rodriguez and his friend were trying to swim to the other side of the lake for a senior scavenger hunt but never made it. Officials say the friend made an effort to rescue Rodriguez but was not able to. From Fox 29, a town employee was miraculously revived after being struck by lightning in Woodbridge Township, New Jersey on Wednesday afternoon. According to authorities, the victim, Eric Baumgartner, was adding lines to a practice soccer field near Iselin Middle School at around noon when he was struck by lightning. Police responded to the scene, and Officer Robert McPartland immediately gave CPR to Bumgarner. Initially, Bumgarner did not have a pulse, but was later revived thanks to McPartland's intervention. Bumgarner was immediately taken to Robert Wood Johnson Hospital and is said to be alert and aware and has been talking to first responders. From News 12, students from West Milford High School who participated in a senior prank on June 8th, will face a three-day in-school suspension until Monday, according to Assistant Principal Nicholas Palaro. The decision comes after a school board meeting was held on Wednesday to discuss the issue. Photos and videos posted online showed hurdles in the school hallway and offices covered in toilet paper and shredded paper. Students were seen walking around the school and even one was wearing the head of the mascot. Palaro says all unauthorized students at the high school on June 8th, regardless of their level of participation, is identifiable through security cameras. In addition to a school suspension, students involved in the prank will not be allowed to join the senior role. Polero added that if the students involved in the prank return to the high school and conduct themselves appropriately during their assigned discipline, he will reconsider their participation in the senior walk to their elementary schools. Polero says students will be permitted to participate in graduation practice on Monday, but should report back to the auditorium at the conclusion. He also says students are permitted to take any finals they have left, but must report to the auditorium at the times they are not taking finals. From CBS 3, a street renaming ceremony was held in Philadelphia on Thursday for Temple University Police Sergeant Christopher Fitzgerald. The 1700th block of Montgomery Avenue in North Philadelphia will be renamed Christopher Fitzgerald Way. Sergeant Fitzgerald was killed in the line of duty back in February while responding to a robbery. Fitzgerald's wife, four children, and Governor Josh Shapiro attended the ceremony. I'm Riley Adams, and that was your local news. 
I'm Megan Steckler with your Rowan News. First as Dean of the College of Education and later as her inaugural Senior Vice President for Diversity, Equity and Inclusion, Dr. Monica Williams-Sheely has been a valued leader at her institution for a decade. This summer, she will take her skills as an educational leader and changemaker to Temple University, where she will be Dean of the College of Education and Human Development. Dr. Sheely, who began her career as a special education teacher, joined Rowan in 2013. Under her leadership, the College of Education deepened its focus on social justice and equity. The college developed a PhD program in education with an emphasis on addressing issues of access, success, and equity in P-20 education. Additionally, the college established the Center for Access, Success, and Equity and Project Impact. In 2019, Dr. Shealy became the first Senior Vice President for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, leading our institution's DEI initiatives. She formed a university-wide DEI council and led the development of our DEI certificate program. In her work, she charged the university community with researching and implementing best practices to foster universal acceptance and inclusion for all. Also, under her leadership, Rowan Center for Neurodiversity was established. Wedgwood Pharmacy, the leading provider of compounded medications and customized animal health solutions, has made a generous commitment to the future of veterinary medicine through a $100,000 gift to Rowan University's Schreiber School of Veterinary Medicine. The funds are earmarked to establish the Wedgwood Pharmacy Endowed Scholarship Fund for students enrolled in the Schreiber School. The initiative underscores Wedgwood's ongoing dedication to fostering excellence in animal health care, focusing on student success, and providing an unparalleled customer experience. Experience. Our investment in the future of veterinary medicine embodies our deep-rooted dedication to animal health and the veterinary community, said Marcy A. Bliss, CEO of Wedgwood Pharmacy. It is our hope that the scholarship will alleviate financial barriers for veterinary students, supporting them in their journey to become animal health professionals. The endowed scholarship will be awarded each year to a different student enrolled in the Doctor of Veterinary Medicine program. The recipient will be selected by the school's scholarship committee. That was your Rowan News. I'm Megan Steckler. That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan Report. I'm Allie Bruce, along with the Rowan Radio News team. I'm Jack Miller for the Roan Report with your news from the professional sports world. The NBA season has officially concluded as the Denver Nuggets beat the Miami Heat on Monday night in Game 5 with a final score of 94-89. to It has been the most watched NBA playoffs in the past five years, averaging 5.47 million viewers. Nikolai Jokic recorded an NBA Finals high of 10 triple-doubles, which resulted in him winning the Finals MVP trophy. Jamal Murray accomplished his childhood dream after having a season-ending leg injury in 2021. He had tears running down his cheeks as he gazed into the crowd remembering all the struggles it took for Murray to get to this stage of his life. This is the Denver Nuggets first NBA Finals win since it became a team in the NBA 47 years ago. Once the celebration went from the ball arena into the streets of Denver, a shooting broke out that same night resulting in 10 people being wounded. The shots were fired a little bit past midnight and police said this was most likely due to a drug deal gone wrong. Police said that this mass shooting is still under investigation and are still not sure how it all started since 
since it was in the midst of the largest gathering of people celebrating the finals win. Five or six of the people injured were bystanders and were not expected to be a part of this drug deal. All of the wounded are expected to survive but are still dealing with the injuries. Moving things over to the NHL, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, who entered the league in 2017, have won their first Stanley Cup in franchise history as they beat the Florida Panthers 9-3 in Game 5 on Tuesday night. Owner Bill Foley said it was a dream to win the title in six years. Golden Knights captain Mark Stone conducted a hat trick as center Jack Eichel had a hat trick of assists that night as well. Forward Jonathan Marcusolt won the John Smith Trophy, declaring him as the Golden Knights postseason MVP. In MLB news, the Oakland Athletics fans had a reverse boycott game on Tuesday night that filled the Oakland Coliseum with over 20,000 fans trying to convince their owner, John Fisher, to sell the team so the team can stay in Oakland. The average attendance for an A's game is around 8,000 fans, and they were able to fill the Oakland Coliseum on a random Tuesday night game. They sold shirts outside the stadium that were bright green and said the word sell on them. They also had sign-making stations and fans showing their Oakland A's pride, telling everyone that they care about their team they have desired for for a very long time. The A's are planning to move to Vegas in the upcoming years as they already bought land to build their new stadium out there. The Oakland faithful were trying to prove it's not their fault, it's the owner John Fisher's fault the team is losing money. Again, I'm Jack Miller for The Roan Report with your news from the professional sports world. Megan Steckler with your Roan Report business update. The market is closing higher one day after the Federal Reserve paused its rate hiking campaign. However, the pause may not last long. Fed Chair Jerome Powell hinted at two more rate hikes coming later this year. At the closing bell, the Dow Jones Industrial Average gained 428 points to 34 to 408, the S&P 500 rose by 53 points to 44 to 25, and the Nasdaq gained 156 points to 13 to 782. The chair of the Federal Reserve says inflation has moderated, but there's still a long way to go to get it to 2%. More from Mark Mayfield. Jerome Powell spoke about the Fed's decision to leave interest rates unchanged for the first time in more than a year. Most officials anticipate two more rate increases to come this year. The Fed had raised rates by a total of 5% since March of 2022 in an effort to battle rising inflation. Powell noted it will take time for the full effects of the raised rates to be felt. The Fed believes it will be able to lower rates by about a half a percent by the end of next year if inflation comes down as it anticipates. I'm Mark Mayfield. Food prices are up as of last month after declining in the spring. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics Consumer Price Index, prices at the grocery store went up 0.1% from April to May. Menu items went up half a percent in the same time. Grocery prices are nearly 6% more expensive than this time last year, and menu prices rose over 8% in the past year. Bud Light is no longer the top-selling beer in the U.S. Nielsen data shows that the American beer was overtaken in May by Modelo Especial, the Mexican lager brewed near Mexico City. During a four-week period that ended on June 3rd, Modelo Especial made up 8.4% of U.S. retail sales. Bud Light, which previously held the top spot for more than two decades, fell to 7.3%. The Anheuser-Busch brand's drop in sales comes after a recent boycott by consumers over a promotional post by a transgender influencer. I'm Megan Steckler, and this has been your Business News Report. I'm Elle Lawton, and this is your entertainment news. Pat Sajak will be retiring from his hosting duties of Wheel of Fortune and will take over as chairman of the Board of Trustees at Hillsdale College in Michigan. 
He has been vice chairman of the board since 2003 and assumed the role of chairman in the wake of the retirement of William Broadbeck. Sajak announced he's leaving the game show after this year. The 41st season of Wheel of Fortune begins in September. Ryan Seacrest could be the next Wheel of Fortune host. On Wednesday, TMZ reported Seacrest is being considered to take the reins after Pat Sajak stepped down, although discussions are still in the early stages. Seacrest was the original host of American Idol and also co-hosted Live with Kelly and Ryan for six years. After recently stepping down from Live, sources say he has the time in his schedule to consider hosting Wheel of Fortune. Looks like festival goers are already planning for next year's Coachella Valley Music and Arts Festival in Indio, California. In 2024, the three-day extravaganza returns on April 12th to the 14th and April 19th to the 21st. Tickets went on sale Friday. Headliners for this past Coachella included Bad Bunny and Frank Ocean. On the topic of festivals, SZA and Lizzo are headlining Made in America this year. The two-day music festival takes place Labor Day weekend in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The lineup also includes Ice Spice, Lil Yachty, Lotto, Metro Boomin, Thames, Miguel, and many other artists. Last year's festival was headlined by Bad Bunny and Tyler the Creator. The event was founded by Jay-Z's Rock Nation back in 2012. The late rapper Busta Rhymes and singers Chloe and Hallie will be recognized at the Culture Creators, Innovators, and Leaders Award Brunch. The event is celebrating the 50th anniversary of hip-hop, and it will pay tribute to industry icons and leaders who made an impact on Black culture. Busta Rhymes will receive the Icon Award, and the sister duo will be receiving the Innovators of the Year Award. The brunch will be presented by Netflix and will be held on June 24th in Beverly Hills. Nine women in Nevada are suing Bill Cosby for allegedly sexually assaulting them. The lawsuit claims Cosby used his enormous power, fame, and prestige to isolate and rape each of them. The move comes just weeks after Nevada passed a law that eliminates the statute of limitations for civil cases. Cosby is also facing a California lawsuit filed by a former Playboy model who says he drugged and raped her in 1969. Over the years, Cosby has been accused of a variety of sexual abuses by over 60 women. He's denied all allegations, but last year was found liable of having molested a teenage girl in 1975. According to People magazine, Al Pacino and his girlfriend, Noor Alfala, welcomed their first baby together. The baby, named Roman, is 83-year-old Pacino's fourth child. Oscar-winning actress Glenda Jackson has died. Jackson was an icon of 70s cinema, having won Academy Awards for Best Actress in 1970 for Women in Love and in 1973 for A Touch of Class. She also won two Emmy Awards, a Tony Award, and a Golden Globe. Her agent tells the BBC that Glenda Jackson died peacefully at her London home Thursday morning at the age of 87. I'm Al Lawton, and that was your entertainment news. And that wraps up this week's edition of the Roan Report here on Roan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Roan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of The Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.